Won't you please welcome Dr. Joy and Dr. John Torrance to the platform this morning. I've asked, I've asked Dr. Joy to say a few words this morning to us. She did such a good job last night. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for that warm welcome. God bless you. You may be seated. And it's such a joy and a privilege for John and myself to be here. We just want to thank you as the CFC family for when we went through a difficult time, you didn't just pray for us. You didn't just say, oh, shame, we're so sorry that something happened and it was such a calamity. But you not only prayed for us, but you gave. And give yourselves a great big God bless you this morning because you gave. And, um, and I know that every seed that you sowed, God is not only going to bless it double, but he's going to bless it a thousand times more in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And I just want to say to um, Pastor Theo and Bev that we love you. We appreciate you. You are our favorite people. And you have the best pastors in the whole of America. And if you don't believe that, you can look anywhere in the world, and these are the best pastors in the whole of America. If I lived here in San Antonio, this is the church I would be at and go to. So we just want to tell you that we love you. And I, and I want to tell you as Americans, you know why you're called an American? Because you are Americans. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Amen. You can do it. You know, things in the world might look bleak and things might look bad. And, you know, we're looking at the world, Ukraine. But I want to tell you that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You're Americans. Amen. God bless you this morning. We love you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Doesn't my wife look beautiful this morning? It's a privilege for me to have her with me. Normally I travel on my own, but it's great to have you with me, babe. You look beautiful. Praise the Lord. You look beautiful as well. Would you look at somebody and tell them you look good to me and the Lord? Amen. Praise the Lord. Once again, Apostle Thea, Dr. Bev, thank you so much for allowing us to be here. I don't take this lightly being behind a pulpit and and behind this ministry, um, we are so grateful. As my wife said, I want to just echo the same sentiment. Um, I know that there were many a times when I didn't know who to turn to, and I'd pick the phone up. The one time I knew that he was in Johannesburg, and I actually flew up to have lunch with him and just to talk about stuff. And, and he really helped me just, you know, not only just financially, but spiritually, emotionally. Thank you so much for encouraging me, speaking life into my life, into my situation. And I want to say together with my wife that you do have uh, the best pastors here in the United States of America. They have a track record. And there's not many pastors that you can say that about. And so you're in good hands. Would you look at somebody and tell them, thank God we're in, we're in good hands. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles uh, this morning, would you turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15? And I'm going to just share a passage of Scripture found in verse 1. We're going to read from the Passion tra uh, Translation. That's my translation. I'm half Spanish, half Italian. 
And so there's a lot of passion flowing on the inside of me, and I think this Bible was written for me. The Amplified, as you know, is the woman's Bible, uh, but the passion, uh, I like it. It's good. I like uh, the New King James, the NIV, NLT, but let's read it from the Passion Translation. Verse 1, many dishonest tax collectors and other notorious sinners often gathered around to listen as Jesus taught the people. In the New King James, it says that the people were drawn to him to hear what he had to say. They were drawn to him. We're talking about sinners here. We're talking about uh, people that were not churched. Outsiders were drawn to him to hear him. In verse 2, it says this raised concerns with the Jewish religious leaders and experts of the law. And indignant, they grumbled and complained, saying, look at how this man associates with all these notorious sinners and welcomes them all, welcomes them all, welcomes them all to come to him. Hallelujah. I want to just stop right there and tell you that this gospel is not an, an exclusive gospel. It's, just, it's not just for some folk. The gospel of Jesus Christ is inclusive of every single human being. doesn't matter what color you're, you're of and what culture you're of, what language you speak, what tribe you're from. Uh, the gospel is an all-inclusive gospel. Can you say amen? And so verse 3 says, in response, Jesus gave them this illustration. He said, there once was a shepherd with a hundred lambs, but one of his lambs wandered away and was lost. And so the shepherd left the 99 lambs out in the open field and searched in the wilderness for that one lost lamb. And he didn't stop. He didn't stop. He didn't stop until he finally found it. And with exuberant joy, he raised it up and placed it on his shoulders, carrying it back with cheerful delight. And returning home, he called all his friends and neighbors together and said, let's have a party. Come and celebrate with me the return of my lost lamb. It wandered away, but I found it and I brought it home. And Jesus continued, in the same way, in the same way, there will be a glorious celebration in heaven over the rescue of one lost sinner who repents and comes back home and returns to CFC, <laughs> returns to the fold. More so than for all the righteous people who have never strayed away. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Once again, what a privilege, what an honor it is to gather together in your name. It's in that name that every knee must bow and every tongue confess that you and you alone are the Christ. You are the resurrected Savior. I want to thank you that today we don't serve a plastic Jesus, but you died. You were placed on that cross. You died, placed in that tomb, but three days later, by the power of the Holy Ghost, you were raised back to life, and then you ascended on high. And today you are seated at the right hand of the Father, where you are ever living to pray for every single person. And we worship you today, Lord. It's not about us, but it's about you. And you said that if we would lift you on high, that you would draw all men, all women, every single person unto yourself. And Lord, I want to thank you that you would touch our hearts 
As this word comes, I thank you that faith comes because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I want to thank you today, Lord, that faith would rise in the hearts of men and women in this place in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Would you lift your hands and say, I'm a faith person. I'm a faith person that has a faith covenant with a faith God. You believe that this morning? Amen. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please him. And he that comes to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of your, of your faith. Hallelujah. Amen. So it's great to be here this morning. Great story. We notice that there are two similar parables, one in Matthew 18, where Jesus is talking about a, a father that has lost a child and how that father goes out to look for that lost child. And here in Luke 15, it's slightly different, but we really see the heart of God. And the heart of God is for people. The, the gospel message is really all about people. And I want to say to you that if people matter to God, then people ought to matter to us. Can I get a, an amen? amen? Hallelujah. It's not just about those who are in the house serving God, and that's great, and that's wonderful. And we continue, and we come, and we serve faithfully, and we fill our place in the body of Christ. Amen. But uh, the heart of God is for every single human being, including those who have fallen by the wayside. Now, I want to speak this morning on casualties of war, casualties of war. We're talking about people that maybe were in the house and for some reason or other, whatever that reason is, have fallen and are now lost. And uh, I like the Navy SEALs. I think if I was an American, I, would have, I think I would have been part of the Navy SEALs, part of, part of military anyways. But the Navy SEALs are famous for many things. One of their credos we often hear about is we, we leave no man behind. We, we leave no man behind, no, no matter what. For them, that means that at all costs, they do not leave a fallen fellow Navy SEAL on the field. And they will do whatever it takes to bring them back home even at great risk to themselves. And I know about you, but who would have ever thought that in the beginning of 2020, when we got, when we got to March, that COVID would have just changed things so radically all over the world. I think here in Texas, you, you had it quite easy. Uh, but back at home, the, it was strict, man. I mean, we couldn't, we couldn't walk. We couldn't scratch our heads. We couldn't brush out. I'm just kidding. But I mean, it was tough. The regulations that were imposed were pretty strict and pretty harsh. And uh, we had a lot of people dying, people dropping down like, like flies. Um, and we did our best to try and just contain, you know, this pandemic and to look after people and make it our number one priority to take care of people. But as I reflect and as we look back, there, there have been, there have been many a people that have fallen by the wayside and themselves have become a casualty of war. And as with any war, there are always, there will always be the risk of casualties. Just over a month ago, you know the story, uh, Russia, you know, op um, opened up and declared war on uh, Ukraine. 
I think it was the 24th of February, and we're almost over a month now. And let me tell you, there have been a lot of casualties as a result of that war. A lot of soldiers have died. A lot of civilians have died. They had a G7 meeting, I think it was Thursday this week, to try and see how they could better help and better support the Ukrainian people. But the point that I'm trying to make is that with any war, with any war, there is always the risk of casualties, which includes both soldiers and civilians, and that, of course, is children, women, elderly people. That is just the nature of any war. I want to tell you that the kingdom of God is no exception, okay? I I know we're we're not trying to defeat the devil. We know that 2,000 years ago, Jesus did defeat the devil. He was conquered, and Jesus rose triumphant. Hallelujah. There isn't this trying to kill the devil and trying to... He was defeated 2,000 years ago, but you and I, through our faith and the Word of God, have to enforce that victory. We have to enforce that victory in our lives. Hallelujah. But there is a war that is raging right now for the hearts and souls and minds of people. And whether we like to believe it or not, or admit it or not, this COVID thing, this whole story that transpired resulted in many casualties of war. I can tell you stories back at home that people that were elders in our church, people that were elders in our church just went into stealth mode. They went into, I mean, they just fell off the bus as it were. And have gone back into paganistic worship, have taken on idol worshiping, witchcraft, all kinds of stuff. They have become casualties of war. Now I'm here to tell you, CFC family, that the love of God is a love that compels you and I to go after these casualties of war, these lost sheep. Can I get an amen? You see, the love of God is firstly a love that is centered on God himself. When that lawyer asked Jesus in Matthew 22, he said, he said, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then he said, the second is like it. You will love your neighbor as yourself. So the love of God that we have is first of all centered on Jesus that we love Him passionately. We love Him with all of our strength, with every molecule of life that is within us is placed on Jesus. Hallelujah. And then after that, we are to love each other. We love our wife if you're married, your husband, your spouse, your children. And then we love the people that are in the church, every believer. But then there ought to be a love on the inside of you for the sinner. And there ought to be a love on the inside of you for every person that has backslidden, every person that has become a casualty of war. I like what the Bible says in 1 John 4. Verse 20, again in the Passion, and we'll just look at this one scripture. And it says there, anyone, anyone in the Greek means anyone, anyone, American, Mexican, anyone, anyone can say, I love God, yet have hatred toward another believer. This makes him a phony. Because if you don't love a brother or sister whom you can't see, how can you truly love God whom you can't see? And then verse 21 says, For He has given us this command. 
It's a command. It's not something that we take home and we pray about it and we have a discussion. And we say, well, what do you think? Well, I think this. And what do you think? Well, I think that. This is a command that whoever loves God must also demonstrate love to others. I don't know about you, but maybe you ought to just underline that last verse, verse 21, because it's not talking about a love that is vocalized. We have a lot of people saying, I love you, I love you. This is a love that ought to be demonstrated. It's a command. He says, whoever loves God, do we have any people here that love God this morning? All right. Whoever loves God must also demonstrate love to others. Would you lift your hand and say, my love for God, my love for God will cause me to demonstrate my love to others. Hallelujah. And one of the ways in which we get to demonstrate this love towards people is by going after that one that was lost. You might have one, I might have one, she might have one, and together they're all these ones, but it's important to have a love that is demonstrated by us going to for that one that is lost. The 99 are good. They're in the fold. They're in the house. And they're serving God, and that's awesome, and that's wonderful. And we keep on doing that, but there is that lost one, the one who has fallen by the wayside and become a casualty of war, that one that has become a statistics. And you know, family, we can sit on the sideline, and we can observe and comment here and have an opinion about this, but all of that really is irrelevant. Why? Because like I told you, the love of God is a love that needs to be demonstrated. Can I get a better amen this morning? Hallelujah. Bump your neighbor and say, neighbor, I think he's talking to you. And then you say to him or her, no, I think he's talking to you. Either way, we're talking to all of us this morning. Amen. Lift your hands and say after me, my love for God my love for God will cause me to demonstrate my love to others. Now say this, God's love in me, God's love in me will cause me to demonstrate my love to others. You see, it's the way that God's love works. It's not just something that we vocalize or something that we talk about it. We have received the love of God. And we enjoy that love and we cherish that love and we abide in that love and we stay in the love of God. But I want you to know today that the love of God has been engineered by God to be given out and to be demonstrated. It's a love that is to be given out. Hallelujah. It's a love that is to be demonstrated. And you know that this love, the love of God, is a lavish kind of a, of a love. In 1 John 3, in the New King James Version, verse 1, it says, Behold, what manner, behold, what manner, what kind, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, on every one of you today, that you should be called children of God. Behold, what manner, that word in the Greek, what manner, is a phrase that actually describes an atmosphere of wonder, an atmosphere of amazement, something very surprising. Actually, we get the word lavish from that word, what manner, lavish. And I don't know if you've ever looked up the word lavish, but I did. And that word lavish means extravagant. 
That's God's love for each and every one of us today. It's extravagant. Hallelujah. That word lavish means uh, unrestrained. There's no restraint on the depth and height and width of God's love for every human being. That word lavish means excessive. Hallelujah. God's not, he's not stingy with his love. Can I get an amen? Look at somebody and tell them God's not stingy with his love. Hallelujah. It's an excessive love. It is a love that is more than enough. Very abundant. Holding nothing back. Hallelujah. Something that is rich beyond our wildest dreams. Beyond our imagination. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Say this after me. The lavish love of God toward me is an extravagant, fearless, unrestrained, excessive love that holds nothing back. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And so this love of God, which is lavish, it's lavish in every possible, conceivable way. And it's a love that never leaves a fallen casualty of war behind. It's a love that refuses to get enticed by the politics of the day. And it's not important why they fell. What is important that they did fall. And they are by the wayside. And, and what are we as the church of Jesus Christ going to do? Are we going to just leave them out there in the fields of life? Or are we going to go out there and do what needs to be done? I'm here to tell you that God loves them more than you and I could ever imagine. Every casualty of war, every person that has backslidden, every sinner that is out there. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. COVID didn't shut down the church. We shut down the church when we take the go out of gospel. If you take go out of gospel, what do you have? Just a spell. So the gospel is meant to be taken out of these doors, out of this building. Come on, COVID can't stop the church. By shutting down the church, the church is bigger than, a, than just a building. Hallelujah. Come on, it's bigger than just a building. Come on, the gospel is supposed to go out into the four corners of the earth. There is a San Antonio world out here that needs to have the love of God demonstrated. Can I get an amen? But you need to understand that just like God loves you and His love for you is lavish, God loves every fallen backslider sinner, whoever they are, more than we could ever, ever imagine. And they will always welcome home and back into the kingdom. God never gives up on them. And if God never gives up on them, then neither should we. Can I get a better amen? Lift up your hand and say, if God never gives up on people, then neither will I. Look at somebody and tell them, if God never gives up on people, then neither will I. Hallelujah. So what are we going to do about it, CFC? What are you going to do about it? We're just going to sit here. We're just going to have church every Sunday. What are we going to do about it? If we're going to get out there and get those sinners and get those backsliders and get those people casualties of war that some of you know should be in church. As a matter of fact, some of them, when you were down and you were depressed and maybe you had become backslidden, they called you and they encouraged you and they gave you a word. And today they are not in the house of God. They become casualties of war. 
when I was preaching the sermon back at home, there was a guy that had just kind of disappeared through, I mean, you know, COVID was happening and we're trying to just rally around and do whatever. And, and you kind of like, you forget about certain people like, hey, where's, where, where's she been? Where's he been? And he, and he had, he had just backslidden. He had become literally a casualty of war. And he was sitting in the congregation only because his wife, we were having a graduation Bible service as well. And his wife had completed Bible school. And so he just came, he tagged on along with her. And while I was preaching this, he said to the guy, Hey, did you tell the pastor that I'm here today? I didn't even know that he was in the house because it was quite big and I couldn't see everybody. But he said, did you tell the pastor that I'm in the house? How does he know that I've been a casualty of war? And then he called me back on the Monday. He said, Pastor, can I, can I meet with you? I just, need a, I just need a chat to you. And we had, a, we had lunch and so on and so forth. And he just began to weep and, uh, and told me, you know, what had happened and so on. I said, man, you're, you're welcome back. I want you to know. Please forgive me for not coming after you. I mean, I, I didn't know that you had, I, I didn't know what had happened. We were just trying to contain, you know, things happening. At some, sometimes we were doing like three funerals a week. Three funerals a week. That's how bad it was. And we were just trying to contain this whole thing. And anyways, he's now back in the house. But he, he didn't know that I was preaching. I didn't know that he was preaching the sermon. So what are we going to do if we're going to reach those people that have fallen by the wayside? What are we going to do, family? Well, the first thing I believe that we ought to do is we're going to have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, that Navy SEAL soldier, he knows if he's got to go back into the field, he's got to leave his camp, he's got to leave the safety, the security, the comfort of his barracks, and he's got to go out into that war zone. And I want to tell you, you know, we've come out of COVID and God is beginning to bless us and we're enjoying the blessing and the favor of God and God is good and that's wonderful and we're prospering and that's awesome. But you know, in the middle of all of that, we can get a little bit too comfortable. Can I get an amen? I'm here to rattle a couple of cages this morning, if I can say that. I'm here to, to basically stir up your faith. You say, well, preacher, I don't know the Bible. I don't know the Greek. I don't know the Hebrew. You don't need to know all of that. If you have tasted that the Lord is good, then all you need to do is just take that love, take the demonstration of that love into the highways and byways of San Antonio and share the love of God with somebody. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You say, well, I, I, I thought I, I was saved to get into heaven. If, if you got saved just to get into heaven, then why are you still here? Why are you still here? When we baptize you, maybe we should just keep you there for about five, ten minutes. Make sure that, okay, he's now, that's it. He's expired. She's expired. And he's gone on. She's gone on to be. The fact that you're saved and you're still here is the fact that God needs you to demonstrate His love to those out there that are in need right now. Do you know that right, as we are speaking right now, somebody's inserting a needle and pushing drugs into their veins. As we are talking right now, somebody's getting raped. As we're talking right now, somebody's getting murdered. As we are talking right now, somebody is contemplating suicide. As we are talking right now, somebody's committing adultery. There's a world out there that is hurting, and there are casualties of war that need you and I to demonstrate the love of God. Can I get an amen? 
That might mean you've got to get a little bit uncomfortable. You've got to get out of your comfort zone. Hallelujah. Come on. Can I get a better amen? amen. Number two, what, what else? We're going to have to get comfortable with getting uncomfortable, but also that means that we risk being vulnerable and exposed. I want to tell you, vulnerable does not, does not mean that you are weak. Vulnerable does not mean that you are weak. Hallelujah. God knows everything about you, but somehow when it comes to people, we're like putting on a front. But sometimes we have to become vulnerable so that we can reach the vulnerable out there. Hallelujah. You have to become vulnerable. There's a risk when that soldier goes back out into the field, into that war zone, he might get attacked, he might get ambushed. And basically, what's he, he is exposing himself and making himself vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. But the Navy SEAL does it anyway. I said the Navy SEAL does it anyway. And we go after the lost, hallelujah. We go after the fallen and we make ourselves vulnerable and we risk being attacked by the enemy. Remember, there's a fight for that soul. There's a fight for that soul. I said there's a fight. The devil is quite happy for you to be in church and clap your hands and shout hallelujah and all of that. But as soon as we make winning the lost our number one priority, we rattle the devil's cage. We rattle the devil's cage. And I'm here to tell you, come on, America, it's time to rattle the devil's cage. COVID or any other president or government is not about to shut the church down in Jesus' name. We're going to make winning the lost at any cost our number one priority. If you want to touch and move the heart of God, then just make winning the lost your number one priority. I'll tell you right now. You say, oh, pastor, i got needs in my life. This is too long. That's too short. I'm not employed. I've been divorced five times. When you make winning the lost your number one priority, you actually, there is nothing, there is nothing that touches the heart, more, uh, the, uh, the heart of God more than by you making souls your number one priority. And it's amazing. Everything else seems to fall into place. Everything else, the finances come. Marriage gets re reconciled. Your children come back. All kinds of crazy things happen when you make winning the lost and going after the one that has become lost. When, you, when that is your number one priority, everything else falls into place. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? Amen. So you got to, come on, I, I know there's a fear. I know every time we go out on the streets right now, we're getting ready to go out on the streets. We have pamphlets that are made, and we're just on the pamphlet. It says the love of God is real. The love, that's all. We're not asking people to preach a sermon. We're not asking people to quote a thousand scriptures. We're just handing out a little, a little flyer that says the love of God is real. Because it's not Hollywood love or Bollywood love and all this other fake love that you see out there. It is a heaven-sent Holy Ghost love. That is unconditional. That's the love of God. Comes with no strings attached. When you woke up this morning before you even prayed or read your Bible or did anything, God's love was coming towards you. And it was coming lavishly, lavishly, just excessive, copious amounts of God's love overwhelming you. You didn't work it up. You didn't do anything. You didn't give an offering. You didn't even praise God yet. And His love was coming to you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. 
come on. That means you're going to have to be vulnerable and exposed. You're going to have to overcome the fear of man. You're going to have to overcome intimidation. You say, Pastor, what happens if they shout at me? What happens if they swear? Well, that's, that's, that's great. It just means you're putting hair on your teeth, so to speak. You're getting yourself a bit of a backbone, a spiritual backbone. Hallelujah. Come on, the kingdom of God is not a kindergarten. It's we are in the army of the Lord. We are in the army of the Lord. There's no time to get offended. I was in a restaurant. We walked into a restaurant back at home. You've got to have masks on all the time. And so I didn't have the mask on. Came out of my car. Walked into the restaurant. And the table was like here. Outside was here. So I thought, you know what? I'm not going to put my mask on for one second of me walking in and sitting down and taking it off again. I didn't put my mask on. And so I just walked in, sat down, and we busy ordered our food. And, and then about 30 minutes later, this one woman came, and she came and stood here, and she said, excuse me, uh, can I chat to you a little bit? I said, yes, yeah, sure. She said, I noticed you're drinking green juice. I said, yes. That means you, you must be kind of like a healthy kind of guy. I said, well, uh, you know, I'm thinking, where's this going? Where, like, and then she says to me, I see you, you got shorts and it looks like you work out and, 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 and all of this kind of stuff. And then she says, I just want you to know. And then the conversation just started to spiral downwards from there. She started off very nicely and then it just started. She said, I want you to know that I'm highly offended. I'm highly offended because you didn't wear a mask and you didn't sanitize your hands. She, she's carrying her own bottle. She had her own bottle of spray. That's how fearful some people are, that I offended this person. And I looked at her and I said, ma'am, I'm terribly sorry for offending you. And then I turned around and just continued to chat to my table. And she kind of just, you know, but listen, we don't have time to get offended. I wanted to say to her, well, if you are offended, build a bridge and get over it. If you read the scriptures, the Bible says offense must come. And many a times God allows offense the mind to show us what's in the heart. Many a times. Many a times. Now, don't you get offended. Many a times God allows the offense to offend our minds to show us what's really in our hearts. Look at somebody and tell them I think he's talking to you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on. They might spit at you. They might ridicule you. They might do whatever. But I found for every one that you have a negative response, there's 10 more that are waiting for you to come and pick them up. There's, there's 10 more that are waiting for you to bring the message of the good news, the gospel. Hallelujah. Gospel, by the way, is good news, not sad news. It's good news. Hallelujah. Jesus died for every single person. There's not a single thing that you can do to qualify for His mercy and His grace. It is a gift, hallelujah, that comes to you and you receive the grace. You didn't deserve it. You didn't work for it. You didn't, uh, you know, give an offering for it. It is the grace of God, a gift that comes to every human being, no matter how far down the road of sin you have traversed. So we're going to have to risk being vulnerable and exposed. Hallelujah. And they might shut you down. They might laugh at you. But that's okay. 
Hallelujah. I'll be back tomorrow. I'll be back next week. I'm here just to tell you that I'm never going to give up on you. I'm never going to stop praying for you. I'm never going to stop reaching out to you. Hallelujah. And sooner or later, the love of God is going to overwhelm you and break every chain of bondage from off your life. That's the message that we bring. Number three, not only that, but if you're going to go after the fallen, after the casualties of war, you're going to have to carry enough spiritual firepower. That Navy SEAL, when he goes back out there, man, he's got to have ammo. He's not going there empty-handed. He's not going there skipping through the tulips singing, Then sings my soul, our Savior God. He's got his... He's got his, M, whatever they are, the M16s or whatever they carry. I mean, he's, he's, he's got his, I mean, he's got all kinds of weapons. He's scanning the horizon. He's, he's like, you know, he's doing the Krav Maga stuff. He's like awareness, situational awareness. I mean, he's looking to the left and to the right. And he, I mean, he's got enough firepower, not just for him, but for somebody else. Hallelujah. And you and I are the same. You see, that Navy SEAL needs to know, I've got to have enough bravery for myself and for this guy as well. I've got to have enough mental fortitude to go back in that war zone, not just for me, but for my fellow Navy SEAL. I've got to have enough strength. Hallelujah. I've got, to, I've got to have enough bacon and eggs or whatever it is that you eat so that I've got enough stamina, enough physical strength. To, I might need to carry him. I might need to drag him by one toe, by one leg, by one arm, by the ear. But whichever way, hallelujah, I'm going there and extracting him. I've got to have enough spiritual firepower. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Because they have a code that says, leave no man behind. We're going to leave no man behind. And what about you and I? Come on. It's not just faith for you, getting saved for you and your family, but it's for those fallen people out there, the casualties of war. Hallelujah. That's why the Bible says you got the armor of God, man. You got the helmet of salvation. You got the belt of truth. You got the breastplate of righteousness. You got the sword of the spirit in the one hand and the shield of faith. Your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Hallelujah. That's your spiritual armor. And then you got the weapons. Hallelujah. Come on there. We, we got some, we got some crazy weapons, man. We're talking about the blood of Jesus, the blood of of God, not of goats, not of calves, not of an animal, not of a chicken. It is the blood of God, royal, holy, sinless blood. And that blood has a voice that is speaking for your good. Hallelujah. Just like the blood of Abel cried out from the ground for vengeance, the blood of Jesus doesn't cry out for vengeance. It cries out, there is mercy, there is grace, there is forgiveness, there is healing, there is joy, there is peace. Hallelujah. You got the blood of Jesus. That is very much alive. There is more power in one drop of His blood than bringing all the enemy Uh, cohorts of the devil together you have more power in one drop of Jesus Christ and that blood is available to you and I and it speaks for your good hallelujah then you've got the word of God on the inside of you hallelujah you got the logos that's become rhema on the inside of you that word that has become flesh and blood on the inside of you that when you speak that word things begin to happen hallelujah You need to realize, family, we're not living in a natural world. 
I see you naturally. I eat naturally, physically, physically. But it's actually a, more of a spiritual world. Come on, the occult and the psychics out there know that it's more of a spiritual world than a natural world. And we, the church, we're like, oh, you know, don't get spooky on me, pastor. No, I'm not getting spooky on you. I'm just telling you the truth. And the Bible says out of nothing, God spoke out of the spirit realm, out of the supernatural realm. He spoke, and out of nothing, something came and was manifested in the physical realm. Hallelujah. You are first and foremost spirit, then you're a soul, then you're a body. You're spirit first. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23 tells us you're spirit, soul, and body. God is spirit. They that worship Him must worship Him in spirit. Your spirit is, is, is who you are. When you die, your body might We'll put you in a coffin. Some will be crying. Some will be glad. I don't know. But the real you will continue forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Did you ever ask yourself, how is it that I'm made in the image of God? How is it? I'm not, I'm not everywhere. I'm not in South Africa right now. I'm here in San Antonio. I'm in one place. But God says that we're made in the image of God. How, how is that possible? I'm not all powerful. I'm not all knowing. I don't know everything. Some of you might be highly educated and maybe professors and whatever, but there's only so much that I know. I'm not all knowing. How is it that I'm made in the image of God? Well, because number one, I'm spirit. God is spirit. I'm spirit. You're a spirit being. And you are a speaking spirit being. God is a speaking spirit being as well. You're made in the image of God. We could go on about that, but hallelujah. You're going to have to, you're going to have to have spiritual firepower. Come on. What about the word of God? What about the, the name of Jesus? We're not talking about some holy man, some person, some guru that lives somewhere, you know, and for three years has held his hand up like this so that he can prove his righteousness. We're not talking about a guru. We're talking about the Christ. The son of the living God. That in that name, every knee must bow. Hallelujah. We carry the authority because we carry the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. What about our worshiping? The ability to worship. Is that a weapon or is that a weapon? It's a weapon, man. You begin to worship. Maybe the circumstances might not be right, but you lift your hands. You might not feel like worshiping, but you begin. And it's not about can you sing or not. It's can you worship? It's got nothing to do with your talent. It's got nothing to do with your ability to play a keyboard or a guitar. It's got to do with your ability to worship God. Hallelujah. To give Him all of the praise, all of the glory. When you're in a tight place and you're in a difficult spot, are you able to lift up your hands and you don't have an organist, you don't have a band behind you, but you can lift up your hands and begin to worship and praise Him? That's a weapon, man. God works on your behalf. Hallelujah. And then you have the Holy Ghost. Oh, man, come on. And I know next Sunday, Apostle Theo is going to be talking about the Holy Ghost. He's going to continue his awesome series and get you filled in the power of the Holy Ghost manifested by you speaking in other tongues, in other languages. Hallelujah. We have the Holy Ghost residing on the inside of us. Hey. 
Come on, it's not about your power, your might. It's about the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. And then we've got all of heaven backing us up. How do we know? Because the Bible says when we go out and get that one lost sheep, all of heaven, they're having a party. They're having a celebration. They're bumping each other and saying, take a look at what's happening down there. Did you see? Did you see them go after that? They're, they're having a party. All of heaven is backing you up. Hallelujah. Praise God. Number four, what else do we do? We never, ever, ever give up on them. You might know some people right now. Maybe there's a name. Maybe there's a face. I don't know. And they are casualties of war. They've fallen by the wayside. And they're waiting to hear the pitter-patter of your feet. Like in that uh, prodigal son. It's not the parable of the prodigal son. It's the parable of the running father. That's actually the right interpretation. It's the parable of the running father. Because the father had to run. He knew what the people would do to his son. According to Leviticus 21, if a son was rebellious and wayward, they were then instructed to stone that rebellious son until death. And so the father saw his son and said, you know what, I better make a plan here. I've got to do something. If I don't move right now, these villagers, I don't know, they're going to get crazy, not because of COVID, not because of anything, but they're going to get crazy. They're going to stone my son. Let me run before they stone him. Hallelujah. There are casualties of war right now that are waiting to hear the pitter-patter of your feet running towards them. Hallelujah. You say, who, me? Yes. But I'm just a nobody. No, you're somebody. Hallelujah. You might have been a nobody, but the moment you became born again and washed in the blood of Jesus, and now your name is written in the Lamb's book of heaven, you are a somebody. And there's somebody out there that needs to hear the pitter-patter of your feet going for them. We never give up on them. The Navy SEALs. They never give up. They never give up on their fellow Navy SEALs. Why? Because that would be a breach of code. It would be a breach of what we believe here in the Navy SEALs. And it would be deemed as something dishonorable, something disgraceful, and something shameful. And so they never ever, they never ever give up on their casualty of war, even if it means that they die in the process. You know, as I was preparing this message, the Lord said to me, and I don't mean to rebuke anybody here, but He said, you know, when we don't go after the sinner, and especially the casualties of war, who have tasted and they've known the Lord, but they've backslidden, we actually enforce the lie that the enemy has spoken over their lives. What we do is we help bind them further. We help bind them further. We help, we help increase the deception and the blindness that has come upon them. And we render the cross of no effect because we just, no, they just backslidden. I mean, they're not, so I'm serving God. They're not serving God, so who cares? No, we do care. I mean, if the Navy SEAL have a credo that says, leave no man behind, come on. We don't have a credo like the Navy SEALs. We have a higher, a greater credo, a greater code, hallelujah, that carries far more worth and value. Can I get an amen? 
You say, why? Because our code is based on the word of God. And his word is eternal. And his word is forever settled in heaven. And because of that, it is a code that forever echoes throughout all of eternity. Our code is based on the finished work of the cross. That when Jesus uttered those words, it is done. There's nothing more that you and I can add to the finished work of the cross. That's what our code is based on. Hallelujah. Our code is based on the royal sinless blood of Jesus. Our code is based on the work, the supernatural work of the Holy Ghost. Can I get an amen? And our code is based on the value of a soul. Can you place a value on a soul? Huh? Can it, can it be a U.S. dollar amount? Can it be a cryptocurrency amount? Can we place a, a gold amount to a soul? Listen to what Psalm 49 says, verse 6, talking about people that are out there, the rich, the poor, the educated, just people in general. It says, they trust in their treasures and boast in their riches, yet not of them, though rich as a king, yet not of them, though rich as a king, could rescue his own soul, his own brother, from the guilt of sins. Not one could give God the ransom price for the soul of another, let alone for himself. A soul's redemption is too costly and precious for anyone to pay with earthly wealth. The price to pay is never enough to purchase eternal life for even one to keep them out of hell. Hallelujah. Come on, family. I hope that this message is stirring you in the heart. Let's not give up on anybody who has wandered from the faith, from the house. Let's continue to pray for them, search for them, and let's demonstrate our love. It's what Jesus does. And it's the heart of the Father. If I can have the keyboardist come and help me. And going after casualty of war sets off the greatest celebration that heaven ever experiences. Every time we go after a lost one, a fallen soldier, a casualty of war. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The good shepherd goes after that one lost soul. What is it that makes a good shepherd? Did you ever think about it? What is it that makes a good shepherd? Well, you know, uh, pastor can speak so wonderfully. He's, he's hermeneutically, he's wonderful. Is that what makes a good pastor that he can, he has sound? I mean, obviously your doctrine's got to be sound. Don't get me wrong. But we have great orators, people that can preach great. But I, you know, I want to see, I want to see a love for people, man. We had some pastors come and preach for us, preach a great sermon. And in the back green room, they can't even say two words to you because they're they just disconnected. Just disconnected. I, I, the kingdom of God is, is all about people. That's what it is. It's, it's about people. It's not about a business, an enterprise, a building. It's about people. If we've lost touch with people, then we may as well eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Let's just go and do, throw the Bible in the bin. Let's all live our separate ways. Develop our own theology that suits us, that is tailor-made for where we're, where we're at. But the gospel is about people. And the good shepherd is 
always scanning, always, always looking to see where people at. I see Sue's here. Peter's not here. We're, find out where, where, where Peter, what happened to Peter? What, what happened to Mark? Where's John? Where's, where's Rolf? Where's, where's Joseph? It's about people. The kingdom of God is about people. Jesus is not coming back for some building, some institution. He's coming back for people. And what I love about this is in the book of Revelation, John has a glimpse into what he sees in, in Revelation 5 and then in chapter 7 as well. And he sees a multitude of people. He sees a multitude of people from every tribe, every kindred, every culture, every tall, short, black, white, whatever color you are, hair, no hair, moustache, no moustache. He just sees a whole conglomeration of people, Mexicans, Americans, South Africans, all kinds of people, hallelujah, worshiping before the throne of God. Kingdom's about people, man. It's about people. What makes a good shepherd? The good shepherd knows the individual characteristics. Those sheep have personalities. And they got certain markings. Oh yeah, I know. There's, there's John. He's got the little kink in his ear because a fox came or a wild animal came and I had to pluck his ear out. I plucked the ear out, out of that, that animal. So the shepherd knows all the characteristics all the personalities of a sheep. Hallelujah. What makes a good shepherd? What makes a good shepherd is that the sheep know his voice. And they know that when he calls and when he does things, it's for their good. Because they've seen him before. There's been a wild dog or a wild animal and he's gone out to protect them. Or there's been precarious terrain that had the shepherd not stopped them, they would have fallen off the edge of that cliff. So they know that this shepherd is a good shepherd. He's, he's watching out for us. He's watching out for us. And you're in a great house with Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev. They're watching out for every single one of you. He sits there and sometimes he's scanning. He's looking. Where's, where's, that, where's Jim? I haven't seen Jim. Where's Tony? Where's Sue? They're looking, 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 looking. Why? Because... If people matter to God, then they ought to matter to us as well. Would you look at somebody and tell them, I'm in the people business. No, no, this is not about you being an introvert. I'm an extrovert. Da, 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 da. We can come up with so many ramifications. Make it so complicated. The gospel's not complicated. Jesus spoke to children. And they understood him. I don't know. As human beings, the more clever we get, the more stupid we get. I don't mean to offend anybody right here. And I'm all for education and having knowledge. But we try and complicate stuff. The message of the gospel is a simple message. You don't have to be a theologian, carry a PhD degree. If you've tasted of that love. And you've been touched by this thing we call love that's real. It's real. It's real. It's real. Then all God wants is for you to share that love demonstrate that love for somebody. Hallelujah. But what else is it that makes a good shepherd? It's because he has the smell of sheep on him. He has the smell of sheep on him. And the only way the shepherd gets the smell of sheep on him is sometimes he has to go for that lost one and he's got to 
make himself vulnerable and exposed, and he might be ridiculed, but he's got to have enough strength and enough firepower, hallelujah, to make that lost sheep know that, hey, I love you, and I'm bringing you back in the fold. I'm never, I'm never going to give up on you. Never going to give up on you. There are people in your world. My world is different to your world. Everybody has a world. Whether it's your work environment, your neighborhood, your community. Every one of us has a world. And there are people in your world that are waiting to hear the pitter-patter of your feet coming to them. Just that they know that you care. I, I care about you. God cares about you. This is not the way it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to be destitute. You're not supposed to be in that place of loneliness and depression and with suicidal tendencies. That's not the plan of God. That's not the purpose of God for you. But there's the pitter-patter of our feet. God's not going to send some angel or some great evangelist from Timbuktu is going to come. He's going to do what the church has failed to do. It's never going to happen. God uses every single one of you. All of you. All of you. Every one of us has a role to play. Hallelujah. you got a place in the body of Christ. Every one of us. All got giftings, talents, abilities. Great. But it's just simply sharing the love of Jesus with somebody. 